Impact of Influence, The Murdoch Family Murders. This is the unfolding story of a powerful South Carolina family, the mysterious deaths they are linked to, and our quest to bring you the truth. Hello, friend. I am Matt Harris. Seton Tucker is here. And one of the first stories we started talking about after the conviction of Alec Murdoch, because that was all consuming for a couple of years, was the case of Shanquella Robinson and her trip to Cabo, Mexico, in which she was found dead. Seton, when did we begin? Do you remember the date or the month? That was April of 2023. And so we did that in a five-part series. You're able to season two. You can find those five episodes. And it's really sad that it's been one year since her death, and there are still so many unanswered questions. To give you a little background, and again, we still recommend that you go back and listen to those five episodes, but the basic Janquella Robinson story, before we get to this great piece by Tanya Ribbons, it was on October 28th of 2022 that Janquella Robinson traveled with six people to Cabo, Mexico. They became known as the Cabo Six. She went for vacation. On October 29th, 2022, she was pronounced dead in her vacation villa. Now, the first reports were that she died of alcohol poisoning. Then an autopsy from Mexico listed her cause of death as violent with severe neck and spinal injuries. Then her death became even more complicated when a video surfaced of Shanquella being beaten, and it's just a horrible beating, by one of her tripmates at some point during her 24-hour stay in Cabo. Then there was an autopsy of Shanquella conducted in Charlotte, North Carolina, on November 17, 2022, and that found Robinson's spine intact, contradicting past claims of Mexican authorities who had initially said Robinson's spine was broken. Will the alleged perpetrator of Shanquella's beating see justice? If anyone had a role in her death, will they be extradited to Mexico? What happened in that Cabo Villa in October of 2022? These are the questions we've had, we've tried to get answers, and we still don't. And I really do hope and pray that the family does get answers. That, to me, the interview that we did with Bernard Robinson was the most difficult interview I've ever done because with our Impact series, we've interviewed a lot of experts, but this was different because this is a father who is in the midst of extreme grief. Um, I I was on the Educated Debutante. She is a Facebook uh, personality. She has a big following. And we were talking about the Natalie Holloway case, which is 25 years after her death, and they're finally getting some resolution to it. Uh, Her killer has been brought to the United States and faced charges, not murder charges, but charges on um, obstruction of justice and and, and extortion. Yeah, extortion. Yes. Um, And I think it's really important to keep the attention on Shanquilla so this just doesn't fade away. We need to still talk about this story. And she was on an episode that we did with Bernard, uh, Tanya Rivens, the show she does Under the Crown. We will put a link on the Impact of Influence Facebook page. You can also find it on YouTube if you want to look up Under the Crown. Uh, she did a piece. It's fantastic. And here it is. 
Hi, this is Tanya Rivens with Under the Crown with stories that localize our community and with stories that acknowledge the melting pot that our city has become. I appreciate everybody's prayers around this world, around this nation that's praying. You know, she is everybody's daughter. Nobody can't even imagine, can't even imagine what I'm going through. She's one of our own, but she's also considered America's daughter. Last October, Shanquilla Robinson was in Cabo, Mexico, where she traveled with six others. One day after arriving to their destination, Shanquilla was found dead in the luxury rental property where the group was staying. Robinson's family has confirmed that their beloved daughter was friends with only one member of her traveling companions. I would like to have known that um, she was going and um, who she was going with. You know, how long has she been knowing the people that she was going with? Um, what's the itinerary? To tell her, you know, to be safe, um, call me when you get there. But before all that, I would like to have known the folks' family, their mother and father, you know, um, had a chance to talk to them or had a chance to talk to the group that was going, you know. Um, to let them know that this father right here loved his daughter and the same way she came, went with you all over there, y'all better make sure that, you know, she come right back, you know. Shanquilla obviously came from a fun, loving family, but the values that you instilled in her, would you say um, somehow it was strained a little bit to where she may have taken for granted when she met some people, um, giving them the benefit when maybe she probably shouldn't have? Yeah, she did take it for granted, you know. Um, somewhere um, she dropped the ball from, from the best friend that's supposed to be her best friend, you know. You know, truly he wasn't no friend, you know. As her father, I always been the protector of her. What are your thoughts or what would you say to the parents right now you can't even reach out to the father and, you know, and send a letter or, you know, say something to the father, you know, whatsoever. And especially if you say you believe in God and, and, and the high power and, and, you know, you pray and all this. And, you know, at some point in time, you know, how can you sleep at night and lay down and knowing that your child was with St. Quilla on this trip and... I'm, a, I'm her protector until she took a husband. And when she took a husband, then he become a protector. But as her father, I was still her protector. Once you got that call, that dreaded call, you started looking for your daughter and you made calls and you get Elizabeth on the phone. And she, she says something very powerful to you. What was that? We talked, she told me she had her, and she just said, Mr. Robinson, you know, I feel the hurt in your voice, you know, just like um, my father, your father, figure, just like my father, I can see your personality through the phone, even I ain't even met you, but at the same time, she say, um, I'm going to stick with you until your daughter get back here to the state, to the United States soil, and she did that. She did stick she, with she, you all Every the way. day, we talked, every often, tell me what was going on, what I need to do, prepared the paperwork, and when she was about to send Shankola back here, and I asked her how she died. And that's when she told me, you know, said, Mr. Robson, um, your daughter neck and spinal cord were broke. And I just can't believe that that lady would just say something to me like that out of the blue, you know. 
Um, how do you feel about the results, uh, the recent announcement that currently um, there will be no federal prosecution because of a lack of evidence? Angry, a little upset, but still at the same time, we're, I serve a, a, a God that sits up high, look low, high power, but I know the case is still open, it's not closed, so, um, you know, God's still moving. So as he's still moving, you know, my faith and the strength that I have, you know, for God and how I pray, as I've always been praying when Shanquilla walked on this around here in the United States. He's still gonna bring me justice, and that's how I'm gonna continue to stand, even though I'm angry, I'm weary, but um, justice gonna come, though. And what does justice look like? They need to get what done to them because they did a crime and came back over here and just seemed like they got away. As I'm sitting here, everything plays back in my mind. I know my daughter called out for me. I know she did to the utmost. It's just the point that um, I couldn't be there to help her. I just can't believe these six individuals do this to her. I just, you know, the three men sitting in that room, you know, how would you like that would have been your mother sitting there, you know, someone doing it to your mom or your aunt or your grandmother, you know, for y'all to sit there and just do that to her, you know. Waking her up and beating her and she naked, you know, it's just, and not knowing that she was gone, you know. That's why I felt, it seemed like to me that's why I felt because I didn't get that opportunity to talk to her. I know you've talked about that hole in your heart. <laughs> it's gonna take a long time for this hole to heal up. This is how I've been, you know, mistreated out here. Like, um, like I was a deadbeat dad. Like I didn't have no say so, like I ain't do nothing for my daughter. Let's talk about one of our sponsors. It is Factor. You can eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh meal is never frozen and it is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved. Uh, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, and they are ready in just two minutes. What did you have chili the other day? Delicious. And if you want gourmet meals, you can try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, asparagus. So head to factormeals.com slash impact50 and use code impact50, 5 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code's IMPACT50 at factormeals.com slash IMPACT50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. IMPACT50 at factormeals.com slash IMPACT50 to get 50% off your first box and 20% off 
your next box while your subscription is active. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. And coming up, Bernard Robinson, he's going to share a letter written by a family member on behalf of Shanquilla Robinson. But up next, Dr. Sadia Upright, she's going to discuss how trust is developed. I'm starting to understand and see is the level of trust that Shanquilla compromised when she agreed to take this trip with a group of people where she was only friends with one. Now, we know in any relationship, trust is the foundation that it's built on. Where does that all start, though, when you're starting to develop trust in other individuals? Trust is a very interesting topic. Trust begins as a template in our early development. And I want to be very intentional when I'm talking about trust because I'm not speaking only in terms of Shanquilla's situation, but as a broad uh, topic. When we're discussing trust, trust starts in our very early formative years. So that would begin in early childhood development when we're infants. And and it continues to progress in our throughout our childhood. So our early caregivers basically set the stage for trust. And what they do is they determine a, what is safe, what isn't, what is dangerous, what, what we would consider to be healthy or unhealthy. And children learn how to uh, navigate the world of trust within that realm. What happens in those early developmental ages is that if there's some sort of conflict or inconsistency, those trust templates become very confused or distorted. Now, this can happen with a multitude of caregivers. So that can happen with parents, it can happen with grandparents, it can happen with your teachers, it can happen with early peers, it can happen with anybody. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's just all on parents. And it doesn't mean it's necessarily just in your home. Exactly. So what can happen is as the child is growing, the child will learn different trusting relationships. And those trust relationships will then become the foundation for your adult trust relationships. Young adults in general are very, very socially inept. They're, because of social media, there's a very big dependency on how, do we, how we interact with one another. Young adults don't know how to read basic social skills. They're, very, they're also very susceptible to, uh, to each other's opinions. We, as parents, are very hands-on with things that we probably maybe shouldn't be and very hands-off on other things. We give them a lot of latitude with making decisions in areas that they're just not ready to make. This is not a victim-blaming situation in any way. What I want to emphasize is 
there are factors that lead to decisions. And sometimes young adults are not ready to make these types of decisions that can put them in very dangerous situations. And as you heard earlier, Bernard Robinson says he hasn't heard from the families of the Cabo Six, but here's something that he would like for the families to hear from him. Your friend died in front of your eyes. Your face, my friend, even with my eyes closed, was the last I saw. And I hope mine was the last you saw before I left you. And Jesus came and took me home. Listen, when your parents tell you that certain people are no good for you, they have for more experience than you think and know what they are talking about. Choose your friends carefully. It might be single, most important decision you will ever have a chance to make. Too many people have ended up like me. I thought I knew what a real friend was. But in the end, I did not. I wish I could tell you to beware of red flags. Trust the people who are they show themselves to be. And when you feel time it is right for you to separate do not let anyone include yourself, especially yourself, take you out of it. Feeling warning are real. Take heed. This letter is written by Sharon Simmons, one of the members of Macedonian church family. This very friend dear to the Robinson family. And she wrote this letter to Clear Cook and all the friends that was on that trip. She wrote that letter to all of y'all, especially Khalil Cook, that's supposed to be her friend. Trust, it should be earned. And we know it is the foundation of building healthy relationships. I hope that you have been empowered by what we've shared. I'm Tanya Rivens, and this is Under the Crown. Thanks to Tanya Rivens for sharing that with us. We would appreciate it if you go back and listen to the five previous episodes we have about Chanquella. It would give you a real deep dive into the story and a real feeling for the pain that Bernard Robinson is feeling. And let's continue our search for justice for Shanquilla. And if you are connected to the case in any way and you have information, please reach out. If you know of ways to help, maybe being an attorney with international law or some connection to Mexican authorities or you have advice for Bernard, any of those things, please get it to us on the Impact of Influence podcast page. You can message us there. You can also send a, an email to mattharrispodcast at gmail.com. I'll make sure that they get those messages. Uh, please keep Shinquella in your thoughts. And we'll talk soon, friend. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, Shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. 
You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. Something is introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. 